this weekend. Join Vision CEO Phil Edwards for Sunday Morning Together. Each week, Phil is joined by pastors from across Australia as they minister to us all. Communion, conversation, encouragement and a smorgasbord of great songs help us focus on God's character and promises. Sunday Morning Together with Phil Edwards on Vision and on demand every Sunday in the free Vision Christian Media app. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A special presentation today as we unpack some of the issues out of last night's federal budget. We know that these are unprecedented times and the delay of this year's federal budget meant that we knew we would be bracing for breathtaking numbers as the government forms a plan to bring us out of a COVID recession. Well, last night, the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, handed down the federal budget described as the most important since the Second World War. And at the present time, three and a half million Australians are receiving some level of support. And in context, Australia appears to be in a better position The Treasurer says around the world as many as 600 million jobs have been lost. The Treasurer says our economy is in fight back. But did last night's federal budget deliver the best plan to take Australia out of the COVID recession? And how do we think about these financial issues through a Christian lens? Two special guests are joining us to unpack issues around last night's federal budget. Christian economist Dr. Rod St. Hill, whose background is in banking and higher education. These days he serves as pastor at Ignite Life Church on the Gold Coast. As well as leading the church, Rod leads Ignite Life Business. He's also part of the global movement called Business as Mission and is a member of the Council for Business and Theology with the World Evangelical Alliance. And also joining us, Gavin Martin, the founder of Cornerstone Wealth. Gavin holds the principle that a person's true worth is not measured by financial net worth, but on the belief that the individual is of inestimable value. A special welcome along to, uh, first of all, to you, Dr. Rodson Hill. Good morning, Neil. It's great to be here. And uh, Gavin Martin joining us on the line from Melbourne. Gavin, welcome. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you. Uh, Let's start with a a bit of an overview over what happened last night. Uh, The fact that the economy is in really, really bad shape right now. Uh, Rod St. Hill, let's start with you on this. Uh, Just how bad have you been able to estimate the economy is? I did mention there are some contextual ways you can look at things as compared to other nations, but how bad is this recession? Well, it's uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, It's by far the worst we've had probably since the Great Depression. It's not a depression, but it is a significant recession. Uh, The main difference between this and what we've experienced post-World War II is that this is what we call a supply-side recession. It's actually been brought upon us by deliberate government policy, both at federal and state level. And so the good news is that although things are pretty bad, we should actually come out of it fairly quickly, much more quickly than would be the case if it had been a lack of demand that had precipitated the recession. Gavin Martin, you work on the coal face. Uh, you work with clients. You work around their finances. And uh, just to add that extra dimension, uh, you're based in Melbourne, so you've got a Victorian perspective here as well. How have your clients been affected by the recession as it begins to bite? 
Yeah, it's been interesting. The there was a seven percent drop in GDP in the June quarter, and that's that's massive. Uh, but you can see from the budget papers that we're expecting only over the full financial year uh, three and three quarters. Just done, uh, sorry, one and three quarters um, percent drop for the full financial year. So it's a significant hit in June. But the idea of this budget with a two hundred fourteen billion dollar deficit is to bridge that gap so that we can get back to um, a, a growing economy uh, very quickly. But yeah, from a client's perspective, the, the, the one um, upside I think is that uh, whilst there is challenges economically, from a client's perspective who's got a portfolio and there's very little in the budget from a self-managed um, or a self-funded retiree perspective, but the upside from a lot of my clients is that whilst the market or the, the share market dropped from highs in uh, January and February down to um, lows in March and April, it's largely recovered, not to the same highs, but at a reasonable level with the Australian market sitting around 6,000 points. So, And that's, I guess, giving an idea that um, with share markets being forward-looking, that uh, there is hope with this amount of stimulus that we'll be able to get through this difficult period. You can't help, can you, but feel as though the Treasurer and the Prime Minister, and you might expect this, are holding an optimistic view. Uh, things are especially bad, and the Prime Minister says uh, this recession 40 times plus worse than the global financial crisis, and yet they've got this level of optimism, and there needs to be optimism. I wonder if you've got any thoughts here, uh, whether you felt the uh, the budget had an optimistic feel to it, and was that in any way sort of you know spin? Or what what are your thoughts here, Rodson Hill? Look, I, I, it's interesting because as I listened to the treasurer last night, I, I felt he was delivering in a much more confident style than he had previously. In fact, I haven't seen a treasurer deliver so confidently. I don't think for years, and I've been following budgets for forty five years. So yes, and I think that's part of the leadership strategy as well. That you know we have to remain positive. Other, you see, there are too many negatives floating around in the economy at the moment, and so I think it's pretty important that the government remain very confident because that that's partly how we're going to be let out of the current period. Gavin Martin, did you note uh, any sort of spin that was coming from the treasurer when you were watching the budget or in the post budget? Uh, breakdown of things uh, from the Prime Minister. Is there a particular spin that the government's bringing here that's not giving us a uh, a perfectly uh, balanced view of what's actually happening? Yeah, I think it is absolutely necessary to take these measures. Um, to, to not go ahead with them would be um, uh, not fulfilling your role as uh, a federal government. But yeah, there was a little bit of spin in the income tax announcement. So um, I think they've, their, their calculator uh, that they've got on their website compares uh, the tax savings that you might get from uh, uh, 2017-18 financial year, which is when they originally sort of announced these tax cuts. And so that's why they're using an old year, old financial year. But for example, tax cuts for somebody between uh, earning between 50000 to about 90000 the government's website suggests that they'll get a tax saving of a bit over $2,000. Whereas if you compare it to 
their this financial year, what their changes will be based on this financial year and the new announcements in the federal budget, it's really half of that. It's about $1,000 for those people in that range. Uh, so there is a little bit of spin there, but it's just a little bit um, that the tax savings still are there. And there is some validity in the fact that they announced them back in. Uh, 2017-18, they're just bringing them forward. What you're saying is going to be very significant for people listening to our conversation today because a lot of our listeners will fall into that category and you're saying because of the calculator they've used when the Treasurer is promising something like a $2,000 tax saving when you're in that particular category that that might not actually come about, it might be about half of that. Uh, what are your thoughts when it comes to spin here, uh, Rod St. Hill? Because, uh, you know, these sorts of things, yes, there's an optimistic view that's coming from the government, but that that is contingent op- upon a whole lot of different uh, variables. Oh, look, it is. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I guess, share Gavin's view on the tax calculator. But if you want a different one, the ABC's got a different um, tax calculator. That's the one I used myself last night. Look, I... The the two disappointments, I think, from my perspective, and overall I'm pretty positive about the budget, I think they probably should have been a bit more careful about painting this as a scenario. And the reason for that is that there are some assumptions there that are pretty tenuous. Uh, one is that there will be a COVID-19 vaccine available towards the end of next year. That's a fairly important assumption, that, because... Um, that will make it feasible, for example, for no further state border closures and so on. So there's also a lot of assumptions in there about how state governments will will behave and uh, they could uh, sabotage the whole budget, actually. Uh, And I think the other thing is that there's a strong assumption in there that businesses will respond by way of improving uh, increased investment and employment. And, of course, that's what, what so many of the incentives in the budget are focused on. So I think they could have been a little bit more open about those assumptions and um, this more so than in previous years, I think. So there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding some of those those assumptions. And I think that in calling it a COVID-19 recession, I can understand that politically because the opposition want to call it a Morrison recession. But the truth is we're in a recession that's been caused by government policy, both federal and state. So it's the policy responses to COVID-19 that have actually caused this problem. Uh, Your thoughts here, Gavin Martin, because when we talk about uh, those issues uh, contingent upon a good outcome for a vaccination for COVID-19 and the idea that state governments might not politicise what's happening here and actually in some ways undermine or, as uh, Rod St Hill says, uh, sabotage the budget or sabotage the recovery for some political gain here. Uh, You're in Victoria and uh, there's been awful lots of of things happening there. Some people are saying has been politicising the whole issue around COVID. Uh, What are your thoughts around the possibilities and the uncertainties yes i've got a bit of a biased view being in victoria we're still in lockdown we can't leave our home um, except for four reasons we can't leave i can't go beyond five kilometers uh, from our home Uh, i'm working from home we're homeschooling that'll hopefully change next week but it's a yeah and it's a great example of what rod's talking about and the fact that it the economy is being um, held back because of the 
um, the approach of the state governments and uh, in particular in Victoria and setting really high barriers to be able to open the economy up and get going again in terms of COVID numbers and transmission and uh, it, it's almost um, it feels like it's focusing on from a state government perspective the Premier here focusing on uh, his political survival and making sure that there's not going to be another um, round of uh, a third wave of COVID uh, by keeping us in lockdown for a long period of time. But the 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 fact of it is is that it can actually undermine a budget that a federal budget that's trying to actually get us through uh, to uh, economic growth again. I can't go past uh, Dr. Rodson Hill. You're based in Queensland, and there's a state election coming up. And some people will say the closing of the borders—that's been a very political move and hasn't done necessarily good things economically for the state of Queensland. Do you have any thoughts around uh, politicising issues here and whether there could be some level of threat to the federal budget? Well, I think what I'd like to say is I don't see any good reason for keeping the border closed to most of New South Wales. That border should have been opened some time ago. Uh, I note that no no politician in Queensland is voicing that opinion, but I, I, I think that New South Wales has managed the whole situation pretty well, except for that one slip with the Ruby Princess. Um, Queensland has also been very, very good with things like contract uh, tracing, um, but I, I think some of the anomalies in, in the, the treatment of people who have been applying for special... Um, dispensation has been quite unreasonable um, in, in, in that there seems to be a linkage between uh, relaxing the regulations for some people and the amount of money they can bring into the state. So my personal view is that we, there is no good reason for the border between Queensland and New South Wales to remain closed and that does have a significant impact on uh, a number of our industries, primarily tourism. Well, I want to invite listeners to join into our conversation. You might have a comment. You might have a question you'd like to put to our panel today, our Christian expert commentators when it comes to last night's federal budget. Dr. Rodson Hill, whose background is in banking and higher education. Gavin Martin, the founder of Cornerstone Wealth, his offices in Melbourne and in Sydney. And our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. There's also a Facebook question you can respond to today. And you might like to talk with other listeners to 2020 as they've responded. You can respond to their comments. The question I'm asking today is, did last night's federal budget deliver the best plan to take us out of the COVID recession? You can find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. We're back with more in just a few moments with our two special guests, and we're going to be talking about what it means to the ordinary, everyday Aussie out of last night's federal budget. In other words, what's in it for me? Back with more in a moment. Life. Culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. An opportunity to bring a debrief of last night's federal budget, looking through a Christian lens. Our special guest, Christian economist Dr. Rodson Hill, whose background is in banking and higher education, and Gavin Martin, the founder of Cornerstone Wealth. Let's come to what this budget means for ordinary Australians. And perhaps we might be thinking of people who are 
uh, either in work or out of work and uh, wondering what's in it for me as someone who might be just uh, perhaps at the lower end here. Uh, Let's uh, get a thought or two here. Firstly, from you, Gavin Martin, uh, we mentioned that uh, some of those income tax savings might not be quite as strong as the Treasurer suggests. Uh, What else are your thoughts about what ordinary Australians, how they will be affected by the budget? So the key one is the immediate income tax cuts that we've talked about, not as rosy as what um, they were presented, but still very good and immediate. Um, the other one, and the, the, the side of it that I like in terms of focusing on business to stimulate the economy and create jobs, is the movement from job keeper, uh, where your people are being paid um, even if they're not doing the hours, uh, to job maker, uh, is that it's the job maker approach is that you you have to work at least an average of 20 hours a week and uh, to be able to access it. So I've got an example where a couple of our kids work at fast food stores. They're, the stores are struggling to get staff because their staff get as much money if they work and if, and if they don't, so under job keeper. And uh, it creates a disincentive to work, whereas I think moving to job maker, where businesses are encouraged to put on people who are um, uh, looking for work or coming out of university, um, it's a really good move to help people move into the workforce and have businesses create those uh, jobs and get them working, whereas job keeper has, and not across the board, but there are instances where it's actually an incentive not to work. Uh, your thoughts here, Rodson Hill. Uh, you know, we've got people on Job Seeker, but of course, uh, Job Keeper, as Gavin's talking about now, the Job Maker hiring credits. Uh, your thoughts on on how that process might work? Look, I think that was a, a good idea. We, we we can't keep Job Keeper for too long. I think Job Maker is a good way to make a transition from Job Keeper to uh, no subsidies at all for uh, for employment. I think the most positive aspect of this budget, in fact, is that there's very strong acknowledgement that it's the private sector that will get us out of recession, and really that means business. We're relying on businesses to invest more than they have been over the last uh, six months or so, and we're relying on that investment to generate employment, and there's a temporary subsidy being provided to employers for employing particularly uh, younger people, people under 35 years of age. And I think one of the strongest aspects of this budget is recognition that it is private sector businesses that actually are the wealth creators in our society. And um, I I really uh, commend the government for for this realisation. Governments actually don't create the jobs. And I know the budget is, is full of predictions about how many jobs will be created by what the government does. All the government can do is to establish a framework in which the private sector acts. I think they've established a pretty good framework and I think the chances are very high that private businesses will drag us out of recession and they will do so fairly quickly. I couldn't help but notice the comment that the Treasurer made when he was delivering the budget, when he was talking about Australian values and this idea of aspiring to have uh, your job or have your business and, uh, as you say, talking about private sector ways that the economy is going to emerge from this recession. Uh, There was a dig there. Uh, at the contrast between what the government would stand for 
and perhaps what the opposition might stand for if you talk about a more capitalist approach uh, versus a socialist approach, because this idea of uh, money in everybody's pocket uh, coming from the taxpayer, uh, as opposed to the private sector emerging out of uh, the doom and gloom, uh, there is a certain dig there that the Treasurer was making uh, towards uh, an opposition approach if if they were given an opportunity. Uh, possibly so, but look, I, I thought the budget speech was quite interesting because there were no direct digs at anybody, not at the recalcitrant state governments, not at the opposition. I think there was a very strong focus on the way out of the COVID-19 recession, as they've they've called it. So I, I don't actually agree that there was an implicit dig there at all. I, I think the Treasurer is very statesman-like, and that's very unusual in a budget speech. Uh, I think from a Christian perspective, it is businesses that create wealth. That's the only wealth-creating sector that there is in our society, and governments ought to be making it possible for businesses to thrive. Businesses must flourish if our society is to to advance. And of course, ideally, businesses flourish within a Christian context and carry a Christian ethic. Not all businesses do. Unfortunately, you know, business as an institution is marred by sin in the same way that other institutions are. But I do believe that the government is fundamentally right in supporting business and in believing that it is the private sector that is the key to our way forward. Uh, Gavin Martin, do you see it that way? Is there a certain permission to flourish that comes to the private sector uh, because of this level of optimism that the Treasurer is talking about? Uh, Or do you see that there could be some levels of control or anything in that uh, that, uh, whole statement? I think it's very much so. I agree with Rod that it's a really business that's going to get us through. And maybe I'm a little bit biased being in Victoria, but I feel for all the um, hospitality and retail businesses that have basically been shut down, um, particularly in the CBD. And if some of these measures include, including the uh, temporary loss carryback provisions uh, that businesses can claim um uh, some tax back on um, previous profits based on their current year losses. If they, if those sorts of measures can get these businesses through um, uh, and healthy on the other side of this uh, COVID-driven uh, recession, then uh, it's going to do its job. And the the billions of dollars of um, of debt that they've incurred would be worthwhile. Uh, if that doesn't happen and all these businesses don't get back up and running again. Uh, you know, this money is going to be um, not well spent. Uh, Let's quickly talk about debt, just a couple of minutes out from the news. Uh, But Rod St Hill, uh, debt, well, it seems to be that, uh, you know, all stops have been taken out and the Treasurer could well have delivered more billions in spending had he wanted to. It's all borrowed money. Uh, Hey, let's add an extra zero here, an extra zero there, and it'll all look good at the end of the day. Uh, How much debt is enough debt? Uh, This is a particularly good time to be taking on debt with a low interest rate environment. What are your thoughts about just the size of the level of debt the government's taking us into? Well, it's certainly eye-watering, certainly in relation to anything we've experienced in Australia probably for 100 years or, or more, we're nowhere nearly as badly off as many other economies. Our net debt will only rise to around 44% of our GDP. 
Uh, it's about four times that in Japan and has been for a long time. European countries are doing it pretty tough. The United States, I think, is about three times what ours is. Um, so compared to many other countries, we, we've gone into this whole situation in much better economic shape than many other countries have. Nonetheless, our, our net debt is going to be almost a trillion dollars, $996 billion by 23-24. That's the expected peak, and then it will start to, to taper off again. But as you said, Neil, if we're going to run a deficit now, is probably the best time in uh, the last couple of centuries to do it because interest rates are so low that uh, the actual debt servicing costs won't be very high at all. Um, and, and I'm not opposed to a government going into debt at certain times. I think the purposes of government are, are largely to um, control evil and also act in the common interest. And I think there is a common interest here in getting business back up and running and thriving. So I'm not particularly concerned about the debt. I, I do think the government has been quite careful to avoid what you might call a structural deficit. In other words, they're not building in ongoing expenditures that are going to add to the size of government year on, year out. Uh, and I think that's a significant thing about this budget as well. I wonder if we might just enlarge a little here as we continue. And I just don't want to invite listeners to uh, to join in our conversation. You might have a question. You might have a comment. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You can also respond to a Facebook question. Did last night's federal budget deliver the best plan to take us out of the COVID recession? You can respond there at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Uh, coming to you, Gavin Martin, when we're talking about debt, uh, the uh, the way that we've been plunged into huge debt, but as we said just before the break, uh, not so significant given the amount of repayments because of low interest. Uh, but Gavin Martin, any more thoughts from you on, on issues around debt? Yes, that was my biggest concern with the budget last night, the level of debt and what we're locking ourselves into longer term. And uh, yeah, Two hundred fourteen billion this financial year, but when I dug down into the figures, if you compare that back to the global financial crisis in around two thousand and seven to two thousand and nine, a decade ago, uh, the the worst um, deficit then was about fifty four billion. So it's four times worse than the global financial crisis in terms of the level of debt. But if you compare the situation. Um, Back then, interest rates were uh, around 7%, went down to 3 So they were able to drop interest rates by, by 4%. So uh, monetary policy was a, was a lever that could be utilised by the Reserve Bank at that point in time. But today, uh, interest rates uh, at the start of the crisis were, I think, 0.75. The target cash rate for the Reserve Bank was 0.75%. Being able to drop it only half a percent to 025 There might be a little bit more you can do, but it has very little effect. Uh, and so the only option left really is fiscal policy, which is uh, your, your taxes and revenue of the government. And so um, it's a very different scenario and there's really no other option. And as Rod mentioned earlier, the actual interest that we'll pay on this debt is continuing to get lower um, and the rates are getting lower over time. 
as um, old debt matures and they're able to secure lower interest rates and this new debt is at a lower interest rate than it was, was in the past as well. So the, the only saving grace really is that interest rates are so low and the actual cost of this larger level of debt is probably lower than it was back in 2018-19 financial year. So whilst it's a large um, debt figure, um, yeah, the lower interest rates are effectively the saving grace and there's not much other option. And Rodson Hill, if we're talking about that debt and low interest rates, uh, the danger there would be if inflation began to take off. But uh, you're thinking there's not much danger of that happening? No, look, I don't think there's a lot of danger of that happening. And one of the reasons for that, ironically, is that interest rates are so low. If um, it did emerge that inflation started to creep into the economy, the Reserve Bank has got a long way to go with increasing interest rates back up to more normal levels of around 5 5.5%. So although in theory the pent-up demand and the monetization of the debt and so on is, is uh, possible, it's possible that that would lead to inflation, I think for all practical purposes, for the next five to seven years, inflation is not something that is going to be a serious problem. Okay, levels of interest rates. Let me come to you here, Gavin Martin. When you've got a low interest rate environment, uh, then there are all sorts of good things can happen with that. Except if you are at the later years of your life and you're moving into retirement. So if you're a retiree, and I've noted that there have been a number of retirees who've said, uh, not much in the budget for me. Uh, what are your thoughts around some issues for retirees and uh, perhaps on uh, issues around superannuation? Have you got some thoughts for listeners on that area? Yeah, very little for the self-funded retiree. Um, the, the, the upside at the moment is, and the pitch of the government is that if we can get the economy going, that's the best thing for, I guess it's the best thing for everybody, but it's the best thing for self-funded retirees because companies will be making profit, they'll be able to pay their dividends and that'll um, pay the pensions of self-funded ret retirees. Uh, but low interest rates are really challenging because most uh, self-funded retirees have a, a fair bit of um, money in cash and fixed interest and they're getting 1% or less at the moment on those investments. And if interest rates drop further, that would be um, uh, you know, a lower rate of return. So yeah, not a lot in it in terms of um, uh, initiatives for the self-funded retiree. Um, but the, the upside for them though is that uh, there could have been um, changes on superannuation rules. It's always a potential target in a federal budget because there's uh, a trillions of dollars in superannuation and an easy way to get some revenue is to uh, change some of the rules a little bit and and um, uh, and get some benefit there. Thankfully, there's no major changes to the superannuation rules that affect individuals. Um, it's uh, There's three main areas uh, for super. One is that um, the super is going to be stapled to employees effectively. So if you change jobs, uh, the ATO is going to do as much as they can to enable you to keep the super fund that you had before um, and that means that lots of super funds won't be created. Um, an example of what happens with these is that whenever you change jobs you get a new super fund and you end up with dozens of superannuation funds. Australian Super, one of the largest funds, had to increase its fees recently because the, the government tried to close all these low balance funds and the 
the, the, the Australian super was getting little fees from lots of these funds and when they all had to be closed or merged or what have you, it reduced their revenue significantly and had to increase their fees. So it, it is a good initiative to, to go down that track. Um, and the other fund, it, I think Rod, you might have mentioned that there's not that much happening from a political perspective, but one of the initiatives was to make um, superannuation funds um, and in particular those default funds um, that are often industry super funds, uh, make them communicate prior to the annual meeting what they're going to spend their money on. And that may be trying to focus on the, uh, back in 2017, I think it was about $10 million that these industry super funds um, passed on to the unions that are affiliated with the Labor Party. So that might be a little bit of a political uh, interest there. Um, but, but, but all about transparency, so not necessarily a bad thing at all. Okay, not much there for people at the latter end of their lives into retirement. Uh, the idea of a self-funded retiree, you're not going to be expecting uh, high interest rates anytime soon. Uh, we could have another segment on uh, on what you do uh, with your money so far as the, the retiree goes. But let's talk about what you do with money because if the government is going to splash this cash to people who are in the younger brackets, uh, lower income, middle income brackets, uh, and there is going to be a fair bit of money there, their idea no doubt is that that will become a stimulus uh, for the economy and that'll get uh, through the system and everyone will benefit. Uh, question for you, Rodson Hill, are people better to spend the money that they'll be receiving uh, fairly quickly from the government or should they save it? Uh, is this one of those issues here? You're going to be uh, maybe this scenario or that scenario, spend or save? What are your thoughts? Well, that's a difficult question to answer, actually, because from a macroeconomic point of view, that is from the perspective of the economy as a whole, we actually do want people to spend because spending actually generates income for businesses and as business income rises, they tend to employ more people. So on the one hand, yes, it's a good idea. On the other hand, though, I think we now live in a world of less certainty. Um, I for example, I cannot be sure when the Queensland government is going to open the border to New South Wales. I cannot be sure that they won't close the border to the ACT. Now, that creates a lot of uncertainty. Um, if I'm in Victoria, I cannot be sure when I can actually even go out and start spending money. You know, you know if I'm not on the street, I'm not buying coffee. So I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty that is actually going to cause individual Australians to make a decision to save more. And there has actually been a lifting savings rate. Now, at the moment, we're not too sure whether that's because people just don't have the opportunities to spend that they did have when we had more social and economic freedom, or whether it's because people have made a strategic decision to save against the increased uncertainty that we now live with. And I think that's quite a dilemma. For my money, the most important thing, though, is to get investment going again, to get business investment underway again. Okay, there's going to be benefits if people spend in the macro sense for the economy. And uh, Gavin Martin, I'm sure we'll have had a conversation about this sort of thing in the past. 
but based on what Rod St Hill is saying there, there's got to be a level of saving against the uncertainty that's ahead. And uh, I know that oftentimes when we talk about having a family budget, uh, we'll talk about the idea of having some level of safety buffer uh, that's in place, that if you do lose your job or something uncertain happens, that you've got something in reserve. So is that a way that you might be able to compromise? Do I spend, do I save? Well, in fact, saving to a certain level and then let's get spending. What are your thoughts? Yeah, correct. Uh, Having that buffer is really important. We often say have three to 12 months living expenses as a buffer, uh, depending on your particular circumstances. If you've got a mortgage, having that in an offset is is a really really good way of um, managing that. Um, but my experience with clients is that they just can't spend the money. They've got so many plans to travel or um, uh, undertake other activities, but they just can't spend the money. So uh, at the moment, uh, that's the, the the COVID situation and the states being locked down and not being able to travel even within Australia is stopping the spending. It's not actually that people are... Um, needing to save Um, obviously there's those people that have uh, been um, out of work and that's challenging and I I really pray that um, the the, this this package the the initiatives really do do get to those people and that um, they don't fall through the cracks Um, but uh, yeah it it is the um, the macro versus the micro it it is always um, better from a macro perspective to create um, activity by spending it, but you've got to look at your personal circumstances. I imagine part of the macro activity is in the government's plans for business to get spending. And uh, Rodson Hill, you might have some thoughts here. Uh, the government's given uh, some real uh, provision there for businesses to get out spending now, upgrading your plant and your equipment and, and, and spending big time uh, and uh, really tremendous tax advantages there for business. That really would be uh, the incentive, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. There's very, very strong incentives in the budget for uh, business investment, certainly for businesses that have revenues up to about $5 billion, and that um, that should cover at least a million businesses. It's, it's actually quite smart, though, because there's about 30 businesses that pay 70% of the business income tax. Uh, most of those businesses, of course, are not going to benefit. So I guess that's um, fiscal <laughs> responsibility uh, in a way. But look... Uh, lots and lots of small businesses, and of course, many many Christians are involved in in smaller businesses, and um, there are lots and lots of benefits in there. So, instant write off for quite large investments, um, the the subsidies on on wages for people under thirty five years of age, and so on. And uh, look, I, I I think that um, you know the government certainly will be hoping and praying that business investment will, will kick up and. Um, gradually, as international borders open, that our our international trade flows will will improve, and uh, that that will provide a return on on the investment. The government's also investing in 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 um, the so-called modern modern manufacturing uh, policy. They've identified a number of areas in which Australia could develop uh, manufacturing industries to a greater extent. And they're actually putting some subsidies into that. I'm not a great one for picking winners, but they haven't been too specific here. So I think there are some distinct advantages uh, in that area as well. Um, so, and the other thing too is, and there wasn't much of it, much made of it in the budget, but at least for the next couple of years, the whole insolvency system is going to be simplified. 
And uh, it, I think that will make it possible for businesses that might otherwise have folded to actually get through this period and continue into the future. And my counsel to Christians in business is don't feel too badly if you're not going so well just now and um, do take advantage of the help offered by the government. I don't think there's any shame, I don't think there's any harm in receiving the assistance on offer from the government. But be positive, uh, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and work on your business. Well, that brings us into really a spiritual Christian dimension to what it is to be in business and having God as a partner with you in business. And uh, Gavin Martin, I know this has been a part of the way you've been doing business and uh, helping people in the way that you do. Uh, what are your thoughts here about uh, being feeling this uh, these feelings of uh, even fear, anxiety, uncertainty if you're a Christian in business, knowing that there is something foundational in our Christian makeup that makes us quite entrepreneurial and ready to take a risk. Risk is another name for faith. Uh, what are your thoughts about involving God in your business as you move forward, knowing what you're up uh, up with now with uh, last night's federal budget? Yeah, yes, it's it's definitely, um, I, I like the idea that they actually uh, mentioned um, the, the word hope, a very Christian principle in the budget last night, and hopefully it does give people uh, hope and uh, those, as uh, Rod was saying, that are business people, um, uh, uh, that they that they are able to, I guess, rely on their identity in Christ and take those faith steps or risk to to expand their business or grow their business and put on more staff and um, uh, in a, a, a methodical and discerning way, not just a, in a in a frivolous way. Uh, but yeah, follow uh, your directing, um, uh, you know, God's calling in that respect and uh, really see that you can help others, you can create employment for other people and you can fulfill God's purpose for your life in doing that. Hey, Rodson Hill, what are your thoughts here on the Christian who is in business? I mean, you could say, I'm going to take a, an amazing step of faith and it may not be without a lot of research and due diligence, but uh, all of that's part of the Christian and their faith and including God in the overall process. What are your thoughts for Christians uh, taking steps forward when they know that their business has really been under pressure because of COVID-19? Look, it's really, really tough. There's no doubt about that. And just because you're a Christian, it doesn't insulate you from the ups and the downs of business. I've known plenty of Christians in business who have come close to bankruptcy or who have actually um, had their businesses fold underneath them. I'm talking about businesses worth hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, we, we live in this imperfect, fallen world, and sometimes things don't go right for us. What I would say is be certain of your assignment. If, if you're thinking about going into business, make sure you know that this is what God has for you. Be as certain as you possibly can that God's assignment for you is to establish a business in a, in a certain um, industry, in a certain area. And then any decision you make in business has an element of faith in it because the future is uncertain. We, we don't know exactly what will happen in the future. I think it's more uncertain now than it was because we can't be sure how governments are going to react to an event like a pandemic in the future. Um, but I'm a great believer in partnering with the Holy Spirit. 
uh, the Holy Spirit is our partner in business. Any business we create is God's business, not ours. And uh, any business we create should be created on a foundation of prayer as well as sound sound finance. So my encouragement to people in business is if you're doing it tough and you're eligible to any kind of government assistance, don't feel badly about taking it. Um, don't forget that government exists for the common good as well as protecting us against evil. And I think part of the common good involves a flourishing business sector on the whole. One other caution I would make is that you're not God. So if you do have to restructure your business and that means that some people have to lose their job, you have to remember God is our provider. God ultimately is the provider for your staff. Don't fall into the trap of keeping people on who you can't afford because you don't want the whole business to collapse because you wanted to save a few jobs. And there are challenging decisions that every business owner needs to make. A couple of comments from those who've been responding to our Facebook question today. Uh, Greg says, the truth is, no one knows yet. Of course, the question that we're asking on Facebook today that uh, the people are responding to, did last night's federal budget deliver the best plan to take us out of the COVID recession? Susan says it was the government that put us in this, put this country in this economic downfall. Now it's their responsibility to take this country out of this economic downfall. Now that's, uh, there's lots to talk about, no doubt there, but uh, Rodson Hill, your thoughts for, uh, for Susan? Uh, the government got us into this mess, the government's job to get us out. Well, I'm not sure whether uh, everyone will agree with that, but what are your thoughts? Oh, look, I do sympathise with that idea, and I think the government is trying its hardest. Don't forget the Prime Minister said something like, we'll chart our way in, we'll chart our way through, and we'll chart our way out. And I think they've given it a pretty fair go. Okay, there will be people who will be saying, uh, you know, I need some more advice here. And, uh, you know, oftentimes we'll do a disclaimer when we're talking finances uh, to get your own professional advice uh, on how you move forward. Uh, Gavin Martin, you're in the business of giving people advice when it comes to financial issues, business, retirement, all of those sorts of things. Uh, This is something that uh, many people will want to get some professional advice. What are your thoughts for people seeking a higher level of advice and rather than just uh, going on the latest newspaper report uh, yes I guess do your due diligence um, uh, think through what you're really trying to achieve uh, and working out the steps along the way if you need support uh, a biblical principle is to seek many counselors uh, and that might be wise people within your network uh, it might be accountants financial advisors legal people um, but yeah, seek good um, counsel and um, uh, yeah, make wise decisions, uh, prayerfully. And uh, Rodson Hill, time running out. Uh, a last word from you on the idea of having an optimism. And uh, we mentioned a little earlier, and Gavin drew attention to it, the Treasurer used, I think, a number of times the word hope, uh, a very Christian foundation to that word. Uh, what are your thoughts for people who are approaching the uncertainty, uh, having a Christian faith, uh, the way that they might move forward? Well, look, truly, I believe that all the way through the COVID crisis and our current economic downturn, the key is, who do you trust? Trust God. And I say that, I don't say that flippantly. I think for us as Christians, our trust has to be in God, not in the government, but in God. 
Well, our two guests through this hour have been Christian economist Dr. Rod St. Hill and also Gavin Martin, the founder of Cornerstone Wealth. There are some websites that you can go to to uh, connect with these two gentlemen. Uh, Rod St. Hill, you can connect with him through the church that he leads. It's called Ignite Life Church. IgniteLifeChurch.com is the website and uh, you'll find a connection there for an email. You'll be able to talk to Rod St. Hill directly and also Gavin Martin who's based in Melbourne. Uh, You also have your office too in Sydney, Gavin, but CornerstoneWealth.com.au CornerstoneWealth.com.au To the two of you, Rod St. Hill and Gavin Martin, thanks so much for your update today. Appreciate your thoughts and uh, your encouragement here on 2020. Thank you for the opportunity, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 